0: Hi, everyone. I am so glad that you're here, like truly, because if you're listening, it means that I am not talking to crickets. And this is the beginning of my podcast. This is literally like the fifth episode. Not many people are listening right now. I'm hoping that that changes as time goes on. But right now, if you're listening, thank you. If you right now are listening and you want to get as interactive with me as possible, I am here for you. I'm going to be doing weekly Instagram lives, you have questions, I will answer them specifically for you, because otherwise, I'd rather talk to you than be talking to some crickets. All right, so anyway, today's episode is a choose your adventure story. It's going to actually be four episodes long, like what? Four episodes long, but yes, it's going to be four episodes long which, as I had mentioned, is a choose-your-own-adventure story, and it kind of reminds me of some of the stories that I read when I was a child. It'd be stories where like, part of the episode was given to you, you go a little bit into the story, you read what was going on, and then you have a choice to make regarding what you wanted the people in the story to do next or how you thought they would feel next. You had to make a choice somehow for the the people in the story. And it's going to kind of be like that with this story. This is going to be a story about Becky. So let me tell you about Becky. Some of you may find yourself in Becky's shoes and you kind of can understand what she's going through. Becky is an older mom. And by older mom, I mean that she's in her 40s. She just gave birth to a full-term baby. Becky lives paycheck to paycheck as a single mother and she also has a six-year-old son. Becky had something unexpected happen to her during this baby's birth. The unexpected thing was that while her full-term baby was trying to be born, she wound up with an emergency C-section or a cesarean section. And that's a pretty major surgery. But that's not the only thing that kind of happened to her during the delivery and after the baby was born. The other big thing that happened is that try as she might, she just could not get the baby to latch on and breastfeed. While she tried and tried and tried different positions with the baby and nothing really seemed to be working perfectly. And yes, in case you're questioning it, a lactation consultant did visit Becky while she was in the hospital. Again, these lactation consultants, their job is to kind of help a mom to figure out how to breastfeed. The lactation consultant visited with Becky in the hospital, but it was a busy day in the hospital, and she wasn't able to see her for too long. She saw her every day, but it was only for a few minutes and not every time that she saw her that the baby wanted to me and then just like every other mom who goes to the hospital to give birth eventually becky was discharged home but she wasn't just discharged home and told <laughs> good luck she was discharged home with expectations to come back to see the uh, baby's doctor. So it, either the family doctor or the pediatrician, I can't quite remember. But anyway, she was asked to see the doctor and to kind of check up on how the baby was weighing. And that's kind of standard of care. About two, two to three days after the baby leaves the hospital, the expectation is that there's a doctor visit to check on weight and to see how the baby's doing. So Becky tried to figure out what to do with her six year old son while well, she went to see the baby's doctor and the doctor took the baby's weight. Of course, like doctors take baby's weight. Anyway, the bo- doctor took the baby's weight and mentioned kind of matter-of-factly that the baby had lost about 12% of body weight. The doctor also said and I'm gonna try to do this and doctor speak, so anyway, the doctor said Get yourself to a lactation consultant right now if you do not and the baby does not gain a significant amount of weight within the next three days. When you come here again, I'll be sending you and your baby to the hospital. Oh boy, for Becky, that was was pretty scary because, again, she was just still recuperating from her surgery, the C-section. She had her six-year-old son. She had to figure out where to place him while she went to the hospital. And just the thought of going to the hospital was really hard for her, especially because of everything else that was going on with her life. What would you do? What would you do in Becky's situation? If you went to the doctor and the doctor basically said that the baby has lost too much weight and will need to send the baby to the hospital, how would you respond? I'm going to go through that with you. If you know a story like this or if this has happened to you, what would you do? And this is where the choose your own adventure story part comes in. I'm Dr. Evka. I'm a mom to a young child who fed reluctantly. I remember feeling so scared and so alone as it was hard for me to find the answers to my child's feeding difficulties and to improve the feeding. Fast forward past many doctor's visits, lots of reading, multiple certifications on various aspects of feeding, and many feeding therapy sessions with me as the mom. You'll see a mom and a child who has come a long way in the feeding department. Uh, Life is so much less scary. I have so much more powerful knowledge regarding early childhood feeding. Feeding has become easier. I have more of my life back, and I created this Feeding Made Easy podcast as I want you to have actionable, simple, step-by-step strategies so that you don't have to feel as scared or as alone as I once did. If you have questions about nutrition and picky eating, if you have a child with lots of symptoms but no good solutions regarding why feeding seems more difficult than you'd expect, if you have a diagnosis but do not know where to get more good actionable step-by-step information, you're in the right place. Let's get learning. Just remember that this material is for educational purposes only and represents my personal opinions. I'm not your doctor. If you're your doctor has specific medical concerns, please talk to your doctor and see them in a timely manner. All right. Just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my Instagram page. I am actually so, so glad that you're listening to this a podcast. You're listening to episode five, and right now, the number of listeners I have is pretty small, so you have my full attention. I don't know what it's going to be like a year or two from now, but at this point, you have my full attention. So I'm going to be offering question and answer sessions every week on my Instagram page, Then that Instagram page is Dr. Evka. I'm going to link to it on my website and you can reach my website through feedinghandbook.com or to dr.evka.com. You get to my Instagram page and every week you can dial in and ask your questions and I'll answer them right there on my Instagram show. And I'll, I'll go over that with you a little bit more. But again, just if you're listening, I'm so glad that you're being a listener. That means I'm not talking to crickets. Yay. And I really just want to be out there helping you. Anyway, back to my story regarding Becky. Here's a mom who has had a C-section and she's recovering from surgery. She still has post-surgery pain. How would you feel about Becky right now? If you were in Becky's shoes, how would you be feeling? Am I right to think that you would think that this part of your life is a little bit hard? By a show of hands, how many of you validate how Becky is feeling? I know. I know. I'm asking you to raise your hands even though I can't really see you I can just kind of pretend I'm seeing you but how many of you would validate what Becky is feeling or how many of you can understand what she's going through because something similar has happened in your own life where you came back from the hospital and you went to see the baby's doctor and the doctor said that the baby has lost too much weight It can be hard for a mom to get the support that she needs when she's a single mom, like Becky. It can be hard for a single mom, especially. It can be hard for any mom, but it can be hard for a single mom, especially. And one that just gave birth. It is such a contrast from someone who has undergone another type of surgery that is not a C-section. In these other surgeries, the expectation, especially if you have friends or family that are helping anyway, the expectation is that you take care of yourself and rest. At the very least, you should just kind of sit there and rest and recover from the surgery. Not so much when you have a C-section because you're life is also about taking care of the baby. You have to feed the baby. You have to take care of the baby. So even though you're recovering, your responsibilities are still to that baby. And often moms are told when they leave the hospital, that, especially if they're breastfeeding, that they're supposed to feed the baby every like two to three hours around the clock. It doesn't matter what else you're doing. You're feeding a baby every two to three hours around the clock. So it's a little bit harder to find the rest and. Between. Now, some of you may be an international audience, some of you may be not from the United States, and things may be a little bit different in your country. I know of some countries and perhaps some regions in the United States where society thinks of things a little bit differently, where the whole community goes in and celebrates the birth of this baby and helps the mom. This birth is a big deal. It's a big deal for the mom and for the baby because. It's this amazing birth that just happened. It's this new individual that just all of a sudden become part of the community. And it's almost naturally expected by the community to step in and help. The community pitches in to feed the mom and her baby, to help with other household chores so the the mom can really just spend her time relaxing and perhaps bonding with the baby. But in other places in the United States or so if the family and the community really aren't there um elsewhere or wherever that is, it can be hard to be in a place like Becky. It can be hard to be that single mom without a lot of support, especially when you have an older son and you're trying to help him and you're living the paycheck and you're just trying to make ends meet. Unfortunately, not every mom in the United States gets a huge amount of support after giving birth. The expectations for Becky after giving birth are to do so many things that are not just about taking care of herself or her baby, even though she was just in the beginning stages of truly recovering from her C-section, because it takes weeks to recover from a C-section, even though she was just in the beginning stages of it, without much support, Becky expected to do so much more for her family. She still needs to cook for her older son and do things around the house. She's also currently not sleeping because she's spending her time breastfeeding. She's up all day and breast, uh, up all night breastfeeding the baby and trying to figure out how to do it when it's not going so well is hard. And then, on top of that, she goes to see the pediatrician. And the pediatrician says, you know what? If the baby doesn't gain enough weight, you're looking at taking you and the baby to the hospital. How would this make you feel? What would you do in that situation if a baby doctors, so a pediatrician or a family doctor, told you this. I'm going to give you some options of how how you'd be thinking or what you'd be doing. And those options are going to be A, B, C, and D. I'm going to go through each one of them and kind of get a sense from you about what you would be doing. Here are options about what you might be thinking or feeling. Let's go through these. And A, you'd be thinking, it is what it is. What has to happen has to happen. This is all my fault. Or would you, if you were in the same situation as Becky, would you be thinking, C, I'm just not getting the support that I need. I'm doing the best that I can under those circumstances. Now, how do I get more support? Or would you be thinking, D in G, you're thinking the doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. Better not go to that doctor again. Which is it? How many of you would think, A, that you just need to resign to your fate? How many of you think, B, that you are a failure? How many of you think, C, and that you need to figure out how to get more help? And how many of you would think, D, and that you know better than the doctor? Which one would best describe you if you were in Becky's shoes? If you chose A, you are resigning yourself to your faith. Perhaps you think of the serenity prayer which says, God, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You try to find peace in the fact that you cannot control many things in your life, and this may be one of them. So with option A, you'd almost go ahead with what the doctor said, that you would continue trying the breastfeed like you have been. You will go back to the the doctor with your baby in a couple days, and if the a doctor said that it's time for the baby to go back to the hospital and you're going back to the hospital with the baby, then you would just go ahead and do it. So that would be option A. If if you chose answer B, then you just gave a positive answer to the Edinburgh or the Edinburgh postnatal depression scale to the question of whether you blame yourself unnecessarily when things don't go your way. Your answer would not be that you never do this. The Postnatal Depression Scale is a tool for identifying postpartum depression in mothers who just gave birth. It's one of the first depression screenings given to mothers after they deliver a baby. It doesn't diagnose depression. If a person scores positive on it, they are given additional questionnaires regarding depression. Hopefully, they are offered more close monitoring or additional help depending upon how they respond. Let's just, just kind of go over the questionnaire in case you've never seen it before. So it's a ter- series of 10 questions and they're graded from 1 to 4. The option of 1 would mean that you never feel a certain way and an option of 4 is that you'll just about always do. Grading means that you figure out where your answer is and that potential grade of answers depending upon how frequently something's happening to you. It's almost like a pain scale. When your doctor asks you about pain, they may ask on a scale of 1 to 10, how is your pain level? Zero means no pain. Ten means absolutely severe pain. In the same way, on the the depression scale, you're asked about how often you're having specific symptoms. And those symptoms fall into a couple of categories. One of those categories is just making sure that you're safe. So one of the things that the depression scale asks you is whether or not you're thinking about harming yourself or potentially someone else. Then the depression scale also goes into like symptoms, like how is your mood? For no good reason. Have you been feeling more anxious or worried or scared? How is your mood? Are you having difficulty sleeping? Are you feeling miserable? Are you having a difficult time laughing or finding joy in things? Answers of yes, you feel this way much of the time point towards a diagnosis of postnatal depression one of the other uh, questions has to do with blaming yourself unnecessarily. And that was one of the questions that I had asked you, would you blame yourself unnecessarily for having such difficulty with breastfeeding your child, even though you're trying your very, very best. And an answer that you are blaming yourself not necessarily may point towards postnatal depression. Now, there's a huge, large number of women who, after giving birth, develop postnatal depression. I almost think that it's more of the norm than it's not. It's very hard not to feel any of these mood changes or to feel the sense of depression after giving birth just because there's so many hormonal changes happening in the body before the baby is born there's all of this progesterone that's rushing through the body and progesterone is a pretty common calming uh, hormone. It just kind of calms things down. The baby is born, the progesterone levels and other hormone levels plunge, and a lot of women feel it. It's like when you develop a PMS or promenstrual syndrome, when you have your menses at the end of the month or whenever you have them, Uh, some women develop these symptoms that happen with They're menses it is uh, just what it is postnatal depression even if it's not diagnosed so you don't meet the full criteria for postnatal depression just those extra moody changes that happen with uh delivery and after giving birth are pretty normal okay so now we're going to talk about option c if you chose c then you are a go-getter. You realize that you just need more support after having just delivered the baby. Perhaps you're even one of those individuals who knows where to get support and doesn't necessarily even have to be your own family. In my area, there are a number of organizations that can help to get support. One of them is my local mom's club, and I know that there are mom's clubs all over the United States. So, I actually have belonged to the Moms Club, and when I belonged, I found it to be this support group and that was kind of brought together by this idea that there's this sisterhood between children, motherhood, and the community in my area, as well as in others. Moms volunteer to make meals for other moms who just had a baby. They, they volunteer to help them out, if need be, and I remember doing this for other moms in my area where I would get a list of what they needed uh, in terms of groceries. I so would go shopping for groceries or I'd get a list that told me that on this day they need a meal. So then I'd contact them and ask what that meal was and then I'd deliver it. It was just a way of helping out other moms. I also remember the local breastfeeding support group at the hospital. It was When I used to go there, every week, the lactation consultant would be there as well. She'd be talking to us and checking in to see how the babies were doing her breastfeeding. It was a free service provided by the hospital, and it's often offered by hospitals, especially hospitals that say that they're baby-friendly. These lactation consultant visits during the breastfeeding support groups are similar to some of the services provided by the La Leche League which has a breastfeeding helpline. So, listen up. If you're in this situation that Becky's in and you are having difficulty with breastfeeding, the doctor's saying that the baby's losing too much weight, a breastfeeding helpline may be an option for you to call. I can't guarantee what they'll tell you on the other end, but I will give you their phone number. At the time of this podcast, the phone number for the breastfeeding helpline was 877-452-534. 4, 2, 4. Again, that's 877-452-5324. I'm not sure what the number will be when you're listening, but it is here today. Also, I want to give you one more resource that is local to my area, but I think that there are other ones out there as well. It's called Moms Helping Moms, and it's part of the National Diaper Bank Network. The network helps to make sure that moms can get some diapers and baby gear for free. The current number is 203-821-7348. I know I'm giving you like all these numbers. For all I know, you're like driving while you're listening to this podcast. So don't stop. You can always go back and listen to it. Um, it's going to be on my website. And those numbers are going to be on my website on the DrEvka.com website. Anyway, the current number for the National Dietary Bank Network is 203 821 Seven three four eight. Okay, so we're going through options. We're going through our choose your own adventure story. And there's also an option D. So if you chose D, you might be thinking that babies tend to lose weight after giving birth, and it's not a big deal. You're right in that babies lose weight after birth. It's different now that the baby's outside in the womb. In the womb, the baby got plenty of nutrients directly through the umbilical cord. There was no active work involved on the part of the baby. The nutrients just went into the umbilical cord and the baby was able to grow. It's different outside of the womb. Once the baby is born, all of a sudden that baby has to learn how to feed. Now, part of the feeding mechanism is automatic, it is reflex, but part of it's not. Even if some of it's reflexive, the baby has to learn how to use their mouth in just the right way to be able to suck in a way that allows the breast milk to leave the breast and go into the baby's mouth, where it can be propelled further along the digestive tract, but also to make sure that the milk doesn't go in the wrong place, that it doesn't go towards the lungs instead. You do not want the liquid in the lungs. There's a lot of things that go into feeding. Once the baby's born, it's no longer a passive process, it's an active process. Some of it is reflexive and some of it is learning. At the same time, not all moms produce breast milk at the same rate. There are some moms who just take a long time to develop enough breast milk for the baby to gain enough weight. This is especially true for older moms, moms who had a polycystic ovarian syndrome, or mothers who have a C-section. And You remember Becky, she both had a C-section, and she's an older mom, so she's at increased risk of her breast milk just taking longer to come in. And if there's not a lot of breast milk, there's not a lot that the baby can ingest. If you just take longer for all the hormones involved in breastfeeding to be able to figure themselves out, then the first time when you see the baby's doctor and they get weight, the doctor might be like, hmm, that weight seems a little bit more than you'd expect. For all of those of you who chose D, while you are right that maybe babies do lose weight after birth, it's a little extreme to also say the doctor doesn't know what they're talking about, better not go to that doctor again, this kind of thinking can hurt you. Here are two of the ways how. First, it is standard of care for a doctor to be concerned about a newborn's weight loss after it has dropped to a certain amount of percentage points. Standard of care means that a reasonable doctor would behave in a similar way under the same circumstances. This is what happens in the medical setting. So standard of care a reasonable doctor would think that there might be cause for alarm if the baby's weight has dropped below a certain amount within a given number of days after giving birth. Second, even though babies do lose weight after being born, this can be a big deal. Too much weight loss in newborns is associated with the development of jaundice. It's a medical condition where the newborn's skin and the eyes turn yellowish, However, jaundice in the newborn can also lead to more serious medical complications including toxic effects on the brain. It's best if your baby does not develop jaundice, and babies that lose too much weight are more likely to get it. Also, loss of too much weight can result in a harmful decrease in the amount of water in the body. This can lead to kidney disease, kidney failure, shock, seizure, and formation of blood clots where they are not supposed to form, you don't want that to happen to your baby either. So again, if the baby loses too, too, too much weight, there's a potential for these side effects, for these medical diseases, for these medical symptoms to show up in the baby. For those of you who would respond to the doctor's statement by thinking the doctor doesn't know what he's talking about, better not go to the doctor. Again, I have news for you. We will spend the next episode talking about the multiple medical complications that can occur if a baby loses too much weight from their birth weight. We will also discuss what is considered loss of too much weight and what is not. You may be surprised by some of what I tell you. It might go against what you would normally hear from somewhere else, but I'm just trying to give you evidence about why a certain amount of weight loss may or may not be normal. And what I'm going to tell you may not be exactly what you expect. So listen on to next week's episode. For now, I want to share that ignoring the issue might not be the best idea. It could potentially lead to more harm than good. And we should discuss that. In any case, I'm so glad that you're here. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. We definitely have more interesting information to share with you during next week's podcast. Sorry to keep you waiting. If you're listening to the podcast at a time other than the fall of 2020, when it is first starting, then you can just skip over to the next episode in this series of weight loss in breastfed newborns. All right. Now go get your free items at feedinghandbook.com or drevka.com. I have like two olds They both point towards my webpage. What kind of a freebie will you get? Because again, with most of my podcasts, I'm offering freebies. You will get a freebie about weight loss in newborns, and it's going to be a surprise. So, to get to it, look at episode number five in the Feeding Made Easy podcast. Just scroll on it. Uh, click the link, the URL link, if you're on the main page with the different kinds of podcasts on there. Just click the one for that episode. You'll get to a page link where I discuss everything about that episode so I rail down, and at the very end you'll get access to that freebie if you want to subscribe to my weekly podcast and get a notification of when they will come also let me know again go to my website and you can even go to the work with me section thank you for spending another moment with me thanks so much for joining me today I'll see you next week I'll be here, and I'm looking forward to our next interaction. Truly, thank you for listening. This is Dr. Evka and the Feeding Me Easy podcast.